Hi, everybody. It's John Halpin. Welcome to the Wednesday, May 31st edition of the Fox Sports Fantasy Podcast. Uh, holy cow, it's almost June. Ryan Fowler's here with <laughs> me today. Um, Ryan, it's, so it's, you, you've been doing more fantasy football work than me. I've been focusing mostly on baseball, but you're doing more football work than I have. You're, you're, and you've you're, been killing DFS. I, I cannot. Well, well, except for the winning money part through. of it. It's going well, great. Well, again, here's the thing. You can win money, you can lose money. But I think the advice, the way that you've been able to dig into a strategy that is sound, win, lose, or draw, the strategy is sound. It's up to the players at some point to live up to the trench. And I know that there's uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics, but you called the Chris Sale fade 24 hours ago, and he got rocked. And what was it, Co- Dylan Covey, Convey, whatever, Covey, uh, giving Covey, up two yes. home runs against the Diamondbacks? You predicted that. You were the soothsayer of <laughs> DFS. Your money and your wallet might not say that. But again, as long as you're not losing uh, ten dollars a night, you're doing something right. I hope the win- I hope the readers are winning more money than I am. Let's go put it that way. Well, they're taking your good advice and then they're hedging with their good advice so. and doing good things. I mean, I'm hearing from people on Twitter that are doing well and they're they're grateful, so that's nice. It's a you know that's all that matters. Nice pat on the back. That's what I'm here for, right? Absolutely. So. <laughs> all right, let's go to football today, everybody. Um, Ryan's been doing a lot of football work. Uh, I've been getting getting back into the swing. And one of the things that, that Ryan looked at and, and I took his cue and did the same thing is the MFL 10. If you, don't, if you play at MyFantasyLeague.com, you do the MFL 10. You can start drafting now. Um, slow drafts, you know, $10, you're in a league, and it's best ball. Best balls are a lot of fun. Um, one of my favorite formats, actually. But first, before we dig into the positions, who's your favorite player? I mean, like I wanted to say, when I wrote this question to you, who's your favorite player this year? And I wanted to say Michael Thomas, but it's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to get Michael Thomas. If I pick second and I pick, you know, Odell or David Johnson or whoever, then I'm not going to get Michael Thomas. But who's the guy, which is probably later, mid to late round, that you look and you go, if I have eight teams, that guy's going to be on like six of them. Who is it? Man, I was sitting here and I was all ready to answer. And then you just put the caveat of Michael Thomas can't be the guy. So, okay. Michael Michael Thomas is your guy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, but I, mean, I will go. I, he's he's number up. ten. I mean, he's he's his ADP is ten here. If you have to, if you have the first pick, you're not getting Michael Thomas. That's not true because I just did a uh, a mock draft and I got him uh, mid second round. So well, you nice. can do it. Okay, you can pull it off. Um, you do just have to be a little creative and you have to be on the back end of the of the first round because there are going to be guys that uh, look past them because not everybody's going to take them. But because here's the way you phrase the question in our rundown. Who's your favorite 2017 fantasy player? That's how you phrased it. So if you're saying you can't pick a guy in the first round, probably should have made that note. Backpedaling now in in embracing my fantasy uh, favorite fantasy player, not of the first round or second round or third round, I'll take Bilal Powell. You will. So... So you think this, the, the timeshare is going to become a non-timeshare? Look what he did that last month. I mean, I there's a lot to like there. And I play in mainly PPR leagues, so the juice is worth the squeeze there. Um, if we're talking about somebody in those middle late rounds, give me a share of Bilal Paul. Yeah, okay. That's fair. I, I'm going Jets, too. Eric, I can't take Michael Thomas. Eric Decker's my guy. Mm-hmm. I think Eric Decker did enough. With, you know, It's not like Ryan Fitzpatrick was a good quarterback. And, and Eric Decker is not going in these MFL drafts high at all. Yeah, it's so weird. It makes no sense. Yeah, Eric Decker, I mean, I know he's coming back from the injury and all that, but um, he is going, hold please, 
120, pick number 127. How, That's how about that? Brown in a 12-team league. Right. That makes no sense. Yep. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with Eric Decker. I mean, he couple, you know, well, first two yeah. years with, with, with Fitzpatrick, he did very, very well, and he's their red zone. He's, I think Eric Decker's an underrated receiver. There you go. So. Absolutely. I mean, he was making plays when Tebow was throwing him the ball. Right. And he, Eric Decker would, will be, I think he will start for me most fantasy weeks, and right now he's the 51st wide receiver going off the board. So, um, count me I, in. I know. And right. I guess the one thing with Decker that I think people will pause on is, was Quincy Anunwa a flash in the pan? Because he had some nice games last year. Robbie Anderson came on late. That's a what if around Robbie Anderson. Because, again, you mentioned it was Fitzpatrick and Geno Smith, which people were dealing with. Decker is, like, head and shoulders above, uh, I would think, Anunwa and Robbie Anderson. But that's all they got to see uh, over the last uh, sample size of 16 games. And I know a lot of people who are high on Quincy Anunwa, actually. So, right. Um, hold on. Quincy Anunwa. What do we got here? Come on, Quincy Inunua. He's number 64 off the board. That's not a bad late pick either. No. While we're at it. Uh, you know, if you're going to gamble on Jets and have, you know, Christian Hackenberg thrown to him in the second half of the year, it doesn't sound great. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Christian Hackenberg had a nice little report on him a couple weeks ago where oh. the report was he looked bad in pregame warm-ups. How bad of a quarterback are you when the critique of you is pregame warm-ups, when right. they're probably not going – a hundred percent. That's brutal. You're pretty bad. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Uh, reminder: If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you have Twitter questions, Ryan's at Fox Sports Fowler. I'm at Jay Halpin thirty seven. All right, we're going to go back to the ADP at myfantasyleague.com. For uh, we're looking at twelve team leagues. This is PPR format, and it is a best ball, which again is just fantastic. It's a great way to go. Um, and, and best ball leads us to our first player, Jameis. Jameis Winston. Now, I have he crept up. It's changed since we looked at it last night a little bit. I have Jameis at QB4 off the board here. He apparently looks like Russell Wilson crept ahead of him where I'm looking. I'm looking at drafts at the 155 drafts after May 1st. I've got Rodgers, Luck, Russell Wilson, and Jameis. Now, look, Jameis, in, in more traditional fantasy leagues, Jameis will be the 10th or 11th quarterback off the board. I think people like him in this best ball format because of all the weapons he has. What do you think of this uh, exuberance about James Winston? I mean, 28 touchdowns and 18 interceptions, and I believe in standard and traditional, as you put it, uh, fantasy leagues, QB 18 last year. Um, I mean, I guess I don't understand how you go from QB 18 with Evans and how well Cameron Bray played uh, and then you basically add O.J. Howard and Deshaun Jackson, and you go from QB 18, where there were a lot of mistakes that uh, Mike Evans made you look good, maybe, uh, to all the way into the top five QBs. I think that's quite a jump. I, I think no matter what the format, that's quite a jump. Four points per touchdown pass, six points per touchdown pass. I, I think that's quite a leap. I, I think no matter the format, I think Jameis is top 10. But top three or five, I, I just don't see it. I think that is... In a best ball format, that's assuming a lot just because O.J. Howard and Deshaun Jackson were added that it's that different. I, I think Jameis, that's a lot of faith in a guy that just threw 18 interceptions. You know, that, that to me, much as I like him to take a step forward this year. Yeah, you, right. You're, you're paying sticker price for that step forward by drafting him in this spot. You know, there's no discount. There's no value. 
it's just you're you're basically you are you're you're in a you're buying a new house and you're in a bidding war for the house and you're paying you're out you're out bidding yeah. the other guy you're not letting it fall in your lap at all right so, and I think when when you're talking best ball. And, and I know in traditional fantasy leagues, people wait on quarterbacks these days, especially in the leagues that we participate in. I mean, get some veteran leadership there at quarterback. And uh, I, I just, again, he's so young. I just, I, I guess I just don't see, because the way that I look at it, if it's a best ball format and his ADP is based on a best ball in late May and removing risk from the equation because, oh, he's got to get better. He's got good weapons, and that's the paint-by-numbers analysis. I still think that there's better options. Right. And, I, I mean, I think picking him ahead of Brady is a little its a little crazy there. And and down lower. I look, and all these quarterbacks, based on this ADP, look, Russell Wilson is the third quarterback at the average pick of 44. Drew Brees is number 10 at the average pick of 58. So, basically, Drew Brees that, that, is number 10. That's where the quarterback run is. So, it's not like we're talking five rounds later. But, yeah, Drew Brees number 10. Kirk Cousins is number 12. I really like that one. So. Well, let me – John, let's back up to Drew Brees. I just did a little piece on him for the video section of our, of our coverage. And Drew Brees, over the last four years, has not ranked outside of QB5. Right. He's been QB5 twice, QB3 once, and QB2 once. How can you how, – at what point – I mean, because Brandon Cooks left? I, I don't – I mean, he's still balling out, and he doesn't have Jimmy Graham. Right. You put you put uh, Thomas and Willie Sneed uh, and an emerging at, at, at any given time, Ted Ginn, on a deep go route, um, and we'll see what happens with Kobe Fleener. But I just don't understand why people are bailing on Drew Brees – to make him QB 10 in a best ball situation. Yeah, it's a little low. I'm liking Cousins. I actually like Carson Wentz here, too, and Dalton while we're at it. For, for if, you, if you're going a little lower, Wentz is number 14. Dalton's number 6. Excuse Dal- me, Dalton? Dalton. Dalton's underrated. How, 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 man, we, we don't have enough time. We'll keep moving on. I like Dalton, there's, there's Here, I, I know. You know what? We'll talk about Dalton when we get to Mixon. That's fine. All right. We'll uh, talk. Let's go running back. So, yeah. all right. Top of the top of the list of nitpicking here, but these yeah. are um, generally PPRs, and Zeke is ahead of mm-hmm. Le'Veon. And, and, and you know, again, but, it's top four picks, so it's not like you know people are saying, "Oh, Le'Veon stinks by picking Zeke." But I don't know how you pick Le'Veon ahead of Zeke in a PPR. It makes it makes. I mean, no sorry, sense. Zeke I'm ahead of Le'Veon in a PPR. My bad. Right, and I guess best ball. Maybe they think Zeke gets more involved in the passing game this year, but Levian he eats so well. I don't care what he's running behind, as long as he stays on the field. And there, maybe maybe he's falling behind because of injury concern or some BS. But I mean, Levian he he's involved in all facets of the Steelers' offense, and I just wonder what he would be if Antonio Brown was, let's say, Demarius Thomas, and and not as involved. Uh, as he is, because Levy and Ball, Levy and Pell, pardon me. I mean, him and David Johnson. This is going to be a fun back and forth between David Johnson and Levy and Bell, so long as they play 16 games each a year. Yeah, uh, which is the trick. But that's the trick. Um, <laughs> football, right. football is a physical sport. I've learned. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. All right. So yeah. looking at the at the next, you know, bunch. You know, it's Gordon and Freeman and Gurley and blah blah blah. Guys, we expected. Yeah. Running back eleven, Christian McCaffrey. Running back twelve, Joe Mixon. All right, I, I, I have I have said I, I I was I joked with you. I sent you a note 
earlier before in the prep for the podcast that for, I joked during the baseball preseason that I talked about James Paxton on every podcast. I am talking about Joe Mixon on every football podcast right now because I am I am dumbfounded at why he's being drafted so high. But I thought you liked James Paxton. Is that a different? It's, difference a, di- it's a different thing. It's, yes, it's it's okay. an opposite of how I feel about the player. But I'm talking about him on every one because every time I get start doing a football podcast, and right now we're doing draft prep, and I look at the rankings and I go, "Oh my god, I can't believe how high everyone's drafting Joe Mixon." I'm nothing against Joe Mixon. He's I think he's going to be a good player. But Jeremy Hill, as I yeah, keep saying, so, Jeremy Hill is not uh, dead. He's bad. He might be bad. Right. He might be bad. He's a couple not dead. Thi- couple things. Jake Seeley just drafted Joe Mixon again. I don't know if you knew that. Another another mock draft in some uh, alternate universe. Jake Seeley is all in on Mixon. Yeah. I don't get it for a couple reasons. One, you pointed it out. Jeremy Hill is not dead. Four-point yards per carry is disgusting, and, and nobody wants to fall in love with that, and I get it. Um, Gio Bernardo come back at some point in the season. They drafted Mixon for a reason to fill a void, I think, to get him hit the ground running until Gio is back. Here's my whole problem with this, and this also ties into Andy Dalton. I I love this stat. So they lost, the Bengals lost on the offensive line, Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler to free agency. Those two guys combined, and this is pro football uh, focus talk, allowed one sack last year. The rest of the offensive line allowed over 40. So they're telling me that Jeremy Hill and Joe Mixon, or Joe Mixon over Jeremy Hill, is going to be able to run behind a line that has regressed horribly with the loss of Whitworth and Zeitler, who allowed one sack combined, according to Pro Football Focus, and Andy Dalton is going to be good. I don't see it, because what I see happening is what the Browns had the issue of last year, where they couldn't keep people healthy because that offensive line crumbled. Now, that's not to say an offensive lineman can't improve year over year, but when you lose Whitworth and Zeitler, and again, I'm going to say it a third time, who allowed a combined one sack according to Pro Football Focus, how in God's name do you think Mixon and Dalton can thrive uh, behind that line? Well, I, I, I think you make a good point. My point about Dalton was that he's the 17th quarterback off the board. And I've seen performance out of him, and I think he's got, you know, a, he's got a superstar receiver plus a tight end he really likes pending health plus a first-round receiver that they took. And I think they're – and Mixon, if he plays well. And I think there are weapons there. And I think Dalton has put up numbers that – I think the value is there with Dalton. Again, with Mixon, you are abs- you are paying more than sticker price here. I mean, Joe sure. Mixon isn't, isn't a lock to he, – he's the 12th running back going off the board in this format, and he is not a lock to have his team's starting running back job. I mean, how, how do you pick Joe Mixon headed to Marco Murray? I don't understand that. I, I, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. No, I think the Bengals are in for a rude awakening as far as their offense regressing. I, I really think it's going to be an ugly season for them. Okay. Um, what about McCaffrey? I think this is too high. I like him. I like what I think I like what they're going to do down here with him, but but this is, again, this is this exuberance is a little kooky. And I know it's PPR, yeah. but. Yeah, and I'll take I'll take a look at McCaffrey and PPR settings just because I'm I'm interested to see how they're going to use them. I mean, as as people have noted, including our colleague Will Singer, I mean Rivera is not known of being uh, open to the most creative of uh, offensive packages, but they do have to evolve in some capacity because the vertical game with Olson can still flourish. That guy, I know he only had three touchdowns last year, but they need something underneath to allow Olson and 
let's hope Calvin Benjamin loses 50 pounds and, and gets down the field because they need another vertical threat to work with Curtis Samuel and McCaffrey for the draft picks to work out. I like him, but as I noted uh, in my team preview of the Panthers, um, I know Jay Stu hasn't played in 16 games in I think five or six years, um, but if he is healthy, and again, he's not dead like Jeremy Hill's not dead, he's going to get some goal line work along with Cam. So what is the ceiling on McCaffrey if he's not scoring touchdowns? That's the bugaboo right Right. Now. It's, it's basically hoping he catch 70 pass, catches 70 passes, which is a lot for a running back. So, right. And um, again, he could. And I, I bring in uh, the, the Ty Montgomery type role, the, and Danny Woodhead, even James, James White, where they, they find these these hybrids to kind of do some work. And maybe a lot of their work is done with their legs after the catch. And that's what's going to happen, have to happen for McCaffrey to thrive in this system. Yeah, I'm 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 shorting Panthers in fantasy football this year, by the way. I think that's and, a fair assessment. And it is not that is not a shot at the Panthers offense. It is a an observation that there are many mouths to feed now. That they are going to use McCaffrey and Samuel. They're going to come out of the huddle. You're not going to know where those guys are. And they're going to use Funches as much as Benjamin, maybe. And Greg Olson's still there, right. but maybe he doesn't get as many balls as before. And I just think they're going to spread the wealth more. So uh, I think know. they have to. Yeah. But then, I, and then I guess I, I don't want Cam Newton's hubris to get in the way of this offense actually doing some great things because Cam has a lot of pride in his ability to make plays because he did it so often in the early part of his career. It's crazy to think of Cam Newton as a KG veteran, but we're there now. Um, and coming off the, the surgery on his shoulder, I just, I, I don't want his hubris to get in the way because he's had a lot of haters and a lot of critics for a variety of reasons. And sometimes that gets in the way of uh, offense evolving. Well, um, one more thing, and I don't, I don't want to be, because sometimes I can get Panther centric because of, of uh, work reasons, but it's going to be an interesting team to watch because Cam has been a downfield thrower and the offense is going to change. It's going to right. be more horizontal, less vertical with those two guys that they drafted. And I'm very curious to see how he takes to that because timing and accuracy tends to not be his strongest suit. Agreed. So, and um, I mean, I don't think he can't do it. I just don't know. It's, it's a very big adjustment for him. And I think people are overlooking it a little bit. All right. Um, so a few spots down here last week, you and I talked, you were in a mock draft and, uh, you took Latavius Murray and I think the eighth round and I said, you showed me roster. And I said, yeah, that's the one I don't like because mm-hmm. I think there's too much going on there in that backfield. And I'm, and I'm, believe me, I'm off the Jarek McKinnon train. So don't worry about that. Um, okay. but Dalvin cook, I think they drafted Dalvin cook to play and to catch passes and, mm-hmm. and, and you kind of shot back at me that you, you know, eh. Whatever. And then Cook here is the 15th running back off the board. So, I mean, I think that's high, too. But um, what do you think of Dalvin Cook? You're, you're not buying, it sounds like. Well, it, it's, again, I think we get, uh, my my crutch is the shiny new toy out of the box. We get all excited. Because here's the thing. If anybody who is a uh, hopeful fantasy writer in the future, you want to make a splash in fantasy, just talk about rookies nonstop because that's all these pundits do that we write alongside. All here's what you do: you go into a mock draft, you draft the guys you're supposed to. As soon as you draft a rookie, you're patted on the back, you're slapped on the ass because all they get excited about is taking a rookie a little bit earlier than they should. If you go overboard, you're completely uh, thrown in the corner. You put baby in the corner if you take them too early. But if you take them just right, you're the second coming of the best writer. Uh, you're, you're Frank DeFord of fantasy writing for God's sakes. So with, with Dalvin cook, the, 
the rainbows and puppy dogs attitude, I get it. I saw where he was drafted. You don't bring in Latavius Murray to completely isolate him in the backfield. I think he can finish off drives. I think he's going to be involved. Dalvin Cook has to beat Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray does not need to beat Dalvin Cook. And I do like the offensive line situation with the Vikings right now. Um, so I think both can flourish in this system. I don't think it's all going to be on Dalvin Cook to go out there and, and make plays. You mentioned the ADP, way too high. I don't think Latavius Murray should go that high, but he was finishing off a bunch of drives last year for the Raiders. And if we're talking about a standard scoring league, which this is a hedge, he's going to do great there because if they can move the ball, there's no more Matt Asiata there. You bring in Murray to finish off drives, Dalvin Cook owners are going to be holding something in their hand because – it's not. It's it's going to be the same thing with McCaffrey. He's going to have to make plays outside the red zone because Murray can finish off these drives, and that definitely dings the future value of Cook uh, overall. And and the Vikings' offensive line is still not that great. Just no. Just to it, remind I mean, everybody. It's, it's 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 better than the Bengals, but uh, and that's why again going back to Mixon, Mixon over Cook, but. I, I guess the Vikings have a better offensive line. So I, but Murray is not somebody I would completely bail on right now. If if Jeremy Hill's not dead, Latavius Murray's not dead, I just don't understand the whole rush to the front of the line to say, I believe, again, it's the way that people look at uh, underground or indie pop bands. They want to be the ones that <laughs> listen to the band first. They went to a concert hall that was played inside of a sardine can inside of a gnome's home and heard them first. I don't understand this rush to say, I, you know what? I love all rookies. If you just do this blanket statement of, I love every rookie drafted rounds one through four or one through five, you cover your butt and then you look brilliant when you say, oh, I knew I love Dalvin Cook. That's what drives me crazy with Sealy drafting Mixon in every draft. If he's right, oh, I've always believed him. If he's wrong, he'll go back to his C.J. Anderson defense. Wow. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's a little high. That's all. I, I think. I think it's like I said. I I don't like paying complete full freight for a guy who hasn't proven things and doesn't have necessarily the clearest path. And I know people are saying, "Oh, Jeremy Hill's bad." That that's my thing with him. And Dalvin Cook. Could you say not proven things? What has Dalvin Cook proven? No, I, I agree. And Dalvin Cook's being drafted too high as well. So. I mean, I, I no, just again, fantasy future fantasy writers of America just love all rookies and you'll be fine. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. It's re I mean, the reaction in mock drafts among fantasy experts, pundits, magazine writers, when you draft a rookie, you are Frank DeFord in that moment. <laughs> it's so true. Tell me I'm wrong. It, it can happen sometimes. Some, sometimes, 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 sometimes we. As as a as a uh, a group, we tr sometimes at this time of year, especially, we try to be too clever. We we draft Jamal Williams in the seventh round, and you're going to the National Sports Writing Hall of Fame. That's all you got to do. <laughs> it's so true. J John is being nice, and he he plays the glass half full side. It's ridiculous how bad the chat gets once a rookie is drafted. Uh, you know, I don't mind that part of it as much as you do. So, that's all. But. Anyway, wide receivers. Ready? Ready. All right. Um, uh, Amari Cooper is overrated in the first round. Agreed. I don't think Agreed. Amari – I like Amari Cooper. I think he's a good receiver, a very good receiver. I don't think he's worthy after his first two years of what we've seen. I don't think he is worthy of a first-round draft pick in PPR fantasy football leagues. You agree? 
I completely agree with you on. I've owned Amari Cooper for the last two years, so I've seen it firsthand, and it's not a bias. It's it's fact. I mean, again, lies, damn lies, statistics. The thing is, Cooper's highest highs make us want to believe a little bit longer, but his lowest lows and those trends where he disappears for weeks on end, that's where I just, I, I'm not, I have a keeper league. I'm not keeping him this year. Right. The, the one guy that jumps out of me that's behind him is T.Y. Hilton. I don't understand that at all. I, I would take T.Y. Hilton over Mari Cooper 100 times out of 100. Agreed. So. Um, I think there's a weird fascination with what the Raiders could be, not just a Murray Cooper. I think people are overvaluing Derek Carr to the point where they're overvaluing Cooper. And, and again, it is a pass-first offense now uh, over the last three years. Uh, I think I saw the, the, the splits were about 56% pass plays since Carr took over. It might be even a little bit higher. Um, but I think the target distribution um, between Crabtree, Cooper, and now they have Jared Cook, which is interesting. Again, I, I think Cooper's highest highs want us to believe a little bit more, but I think you have to pump the brakes and definitely look at his game logs over the last two years. All right. Um, next guy I want to talk about here. The guy, that, the guy that's catching my eye in the middle <laughs> in the sixth round or so, it looks like 30th receiver off the board is Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. I think I want. I think I want in on that. I, the more I look at drafts, early mocks, and ADPs, and things like that, I'm looking at Devontae Parker, and I'm going, "Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a good one. I like that." And and part of it is, you know, the Dolphins talking him up during the offseason, say, "Wow, he's different, and he's eating well, and he's taking care of himself." And I go, "Yeah, best shape of his life." Woo! <laughs> um, I think I like this one because I think he's got the physical tools to be that kind of guy. He doesn't necessarily have the quarterback to be that kind of guy. But I'm not paying. That's another. I'm not paying a ton for him here. I mean, if he's my third receiver, awesome. I would love that. Would you love that as much as me? Probably not. But I am. He is interesting. I, I, I think uh, we use the word interesting a lot in our analysis. But that's. I mean, that I think it's the best word for Devontae Parker. He had a nice kick uh, to the end of his season last year when I was looking at his game logs. I, I know he he definitely uh, finished strong, which helps the momentum going into. ADP in the in the following season. Um, are, are you talking PPR? You're interested too, or just standard? I'm, I mean, I'm both. Right. I mean, I'm, I think he's gonna he he's not gonna be a you know a ninety catch guy. Right. But I think yeah. I mean, he's for the for the price tag. I see the allure and I see your reasoning. Uh, Tannehill, as you noted, makes me a little nervous. Jarvis Landry still probably getting ten to thirteen targets on any every other week or so. Again, and then forget, I, the the deep ball. There, there's appeal there. I just I can't go all in on that, and I don't want to hedge. If I was in or out, I'd probably be out. Um, but your reasoning, it, it's it's an interesting sales pitch on him because I could see myself coming around to that. Um, what round is his ADP right now? It looks like six. His ADP is seventy first pick, thirtieth wide receiver. Yeah. Still a little early for me. I probably would be getting a quarterback around then. Um, but, man, I, I, I again, I think <laughs> Tannehill is probably the reason I'm saying no right now, more so than Devontae Parker. And, and that's fair. That, that's a, that's a yeah. fair thing. Like I said, I, I think at the draft spot, I'm good. Um, yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to skip over my buddy Kenny Britt for another day right now. Um, let's go to tight end. Two quick questions uh-huh. at tight end. First is uh, is – Gronk's ADP is 29 overall. Does that sound about right to you? 
Yeah, I, I think uh, that's where I'm at right now. Maybe maybe a skosh earlier, but it wouldn't be it a wouldn't skosh. be dread. Yeah, that's back such end. a midwestern term. Is it skosh? Is it really? I, I don't even know. I, I'd probably say it three times a year. Um, I'd say maybe back end of, of the second round, but I'm not in a huge hurry um, to, to do it. I, again, because all things being equal, he's had three back surgeries in, what, seven years? I, I can't count on 16 games from Gronk. If I knew I was going to get 14 to 16, He'd probably be a middle second round pick for me or early second round pick, but I don't know. And there's just the, the tiers at running back and the tiers at wide receiver. There's good value at tight end at the back end. I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to draft Gronk. Okay. The other, because of the value at tight end. That, that's fair. I, I don't know if I want at, at if I'm in, if I'm early third round, I, I might have a hard time resisting. Just to right. say, this could be basically. I look at it and I think to myself, this could be a league winner, could be a league loser. But you know, it's it's a how, where, where do you want to make that gamble? Um, the other guy I really like looking at the ADP is Eric Ebron. I, I, understand, I, I understand that Eric Ebron is a flawed football player. Like he'll mm-hmm. drop passes and things, but I mean his his numbers have steadily improved. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at the three years, they steadily improved. Last year, he only caught one touchdown. Mm-hmm. But I think Stafford likes to throw to him. You know, and the guy caught almost five passes a game. I think as a as a low end tight end one, I would love to own Eric Ebron. Do you, are you uh, a fan? I'm not, but I, I was. I wanted you to kind of elaborate on your reasoning, but you, and you did. Um, I, I'm I'm not there. Um, I'm fascinated on the back end tight end ones of Evan Ingram with the Giants because Eli hasn't had a pass catching tight end like an Ingram in the past. And I know he's a rookie and this isn't shiny new toy out of the box type analysis. I just really think, yeah, it's a crowded receiving core. But what if Ingram's the one that steps up and it's not Brandon Marshall? Um, I, I think the Lions offense worries me as a whole too. Um, Marvin Jones had that great, what, three-week stretch to start and then disappeared. Yep. Golden Tate, pretty consistent, not great, but there were it was definitely not completely awful, which is a nice compliment. <laughs> um, Ebron, I just I, – I, Martellus Bennett with, uh, with Rodgers now, there's a lot of appeal there. Um, I just – I can't get behind Ebron. And you said he's a flawed tight end, and, and that's probably part of it too. Um, I guess I don't see the evolution in his game – um, at this juncture, with the with the state of the Lions' offense being what it is, all right, that's fair. I'm gonna Eric Ebron's another guy I'm gonna own a lot. He he's the guy behind him or Decker are the guys I'm gonna own the most. I would think, and it might be Ebron actually, depending on if I get sucked into another tight end early. All right, Ryan, that's enough for today, everybody. Our fantasy football stuff, FoxSports.com/slash/fantasy. Go check it out, Ryan. What else should people be looking for this week? Yeah, check it out. Uh, five, we already have our draft guide up, John. I mean, our draft guide is chock full of goodies. Our rankings, it's so funny. Uh, besides your DFS knowledge, which is just dominating uh, day in and day out, uh, our fantasy rankings are already being picked over, and it goes to show you that people are already looking towards uh, the fantasy football season. I know it was mid-May, but uh, for our fantasy rankings to be out there and being consumed as much as they are, it just goes to show how popular it is. I thought it was interesting. Clay Travis on his radio show yesterday said, if gambling becomes legal... Uh, in all 50 states, it's going to mean the demise of fantasy football and DFS and, and DraftKings and FanDuel and what have you. 
And I disagree because I still think when you look at the the need or interest in gambling, that's going against Vegas. That's going against the house. When you play fantasy football, that is going to live on for a while because that's trash talking the way we do friendly here about our different takes of different players uh, and then and then friends and family and, and the league uh, camaraderie el- element of uh, fantasy sports, I think, is here to stay no matter if uh, gambling's legal or not. I think DFS might hurt a little bit, but it's a totally different thing. I think when you're gambling to win X amount of dollars in one game versus Vegas versus wanting to beat your buddy, I think that there's still some uh, – fun strategy that goes into that. So that's why I think fantasy football is in a a good place right now. I think this might be a longer discussion for another day because I don't know that I agree with you on this anymore about the trash-talking camaraderie aspect of it because I think it's gotten too digital. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. But the leagues that I'm in that I still do with friends, it is much easier to execute them on a laptop and you sit in a room and it's very quiet. Yeah, because it's hard to get everybody together at one point. So I don't know. It's I, I noticed it in some other prices. leagues recently that I, that have had camaraderie and we've lost it a little bit. And you know, you do trades over email and all that. And I don't know. Right. Um, whatever. But as long I, as I get to play I and think, pick Eric Ebron, I, I'm happy. I, I, no, I think that maybe the commentary is not there, but there's a internal interest in beating somebody you know yep. more than beating the house. That's fair. I think beating a friend or a family member because in that moment you are quote unquote smarter in a sports strategy type game. I think that may if you beat Vegas and you tell, hey John, I won fifty bucks because I gambled on this game. They're like, oh, that's cool. But if I beat you head to head in a sports uh, strategy game, there's a little bit more on that because in that moment, they have a one-up on you. Yep, that's fair. All right, okay. we're going to wrap it. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back with more football soon. Um, but again, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and check out our draft guide, foxsports.com slash fantasy. We'll be back next week with another one, so please keep listening. For Ryan Fowler, I'm John Halpin. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Fox Fantasy Podcast.